What's up guys? Before the episode starts, I just wanted to let you guys know some things about Najee Harris before I get into it and, you know, don't talk about anything other than football stuff. This guy is one of my favorite people in the NFL. He's one of my favorite prospects coming out as a person. His personality is amazing. What he's been through has been quite the journey for him and I don't really want to give any details because I want you to go give credit to where the credit is due. Type in Road to the Pros on YouTube if you're ever looking for something to watch. Road to the Pros. They've got, I think, four episodes on Najee Harris, about 20 minutes each. I've only watched one episode so far. I watched it a while back, and then I completely forgot about it. I'm going to make sure I finish that. But Road to the Pros on YouTube. I'm pretty sure it's videos produced by Alabama because the only players that seem to have that type of series are guys from Alabama. There was one on Henry Ruggs not too long ago. So, Road to the Pros, Najee Harris, find out the type of person he is, and I promise you, I promise you he will be one of your favorite people. You will be rooting for him no matter who your NFL team is. You will find yourself as, this is one of the guys that you just, you gotta root for. There's no way you can't. So with that said, we're gonna get into the podcast but Najee Harris, Road to the Bros, check it out. What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common-sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at DeepDiveFF, Instagram at DeepDiveFantasyFootball, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we are going over the Pittsburgh Steelers, going through my projections as usual. We've got a lot of receivers here that people like to debate. Claypool, Deontay Johnson, those seem to be the two people everyone looks at that could possibly be the number one on that team. Then we've also got Juju Smith-Schuster. We've got Najee Harris, rookie running back, somebody that everyone is super excited about who we'll also get into. And then we've got Big Ben. Is he on his last year? We'll see what I think about that. And we've got the tight ends, but... With Pat Frymuth now in the building, along with Eric Ebron still there, it's probably unlikely that either one of them will make a fantasy impact. With that said, that's who we're going to be going over today, is those group of people. we got to start at the personnel changes, of course, for the Steelers. And that starts, for me, in my opinion, with the biggest impact, and that's drafting Najee Harris. They have been missing a running back. James Conner was good for a year, maybe two And then, you know, a combination of injuries and not being an elite guy athletically or physically imposing or anything particular, he started to drop off. So now they had to find, hey, who's going to be our stud? Let's get back to the great defense, which we have, and use a running back to complement that defense and take some pressure off Big Ben because clearly his arm is not the same. That's why they drafted Najee Harris. Great landing spot for him. I initially was somebody who looked at the Steelers and said maybe they will not be as good of a landing spot as everyone else thinks, still thinking they would be a good one, but just I was of the mindset that, you know, the running back game has been very inefficient the past couple years. Defenses, when they're playing the Steelers, are not going to have to worry too much about the passing game because of Big Ben, so it's going to hurt the efficiencies of the running back. We'll get into that stuff. 
but I don't want to spoil anything. Najee Harris, I think, is going to be the biggest impact for the Steelers. They also drafted Pat Fryermuth for dynasty purposes. We're not going to talk too much about him today because this is projecting this season, and he is a rookie tight end, and there's another good tight end in the room and a whole bunch of receivers. But Pat Fryermuth for dynasty purposes could be really good because we're looking at a situation where two of their four wide receivers might be gone after this season to free agency, and who knows, Eric Ebron might be gone as well, and then it would be two receivers, Pat Fryermuth and Najee Harris. That's a good room, and Pat Fryermuth's a pretty good receiving tight end along with being a good blocker, so that was an, a good add for them. And then let's talk about some losses and additions via free agency. They lost cornerback Steven Nelson and cornerback Mike Hilton, so they lost two corners. This is not going to help their defense, obviously. They also had Maurice Pouncey retire. Uh, on the offensive line, they lost Villanueva on the offensive line, but they gained Devin Bush or will be gaining Devin Bush back from injury this season, so that should help the defense out, even though they lost D Bud Dupree. Here's the thing, though. Bud Dupree, actually, he was great, right? He was really, really good, but he's being replaced by Alex Highsmith, and Alex Highsmith had a pass rush win rate of 16.5%. That's actually higher than Bud Dupree's. Bud Dupree's pass rush win rate was 13.7. So we're not sure if the loss of Bud Dupree will be felt on that defense as much as the initial eye might believe because Alex Highsmith was actually better. So they've got Devin Bush back. Alex Highsmith is replacing Bud Dupree. So don't look at Bud Dupree as a huge loss, even though for depth, depth wise, it definitely will be. And let's talk about their defense, because that's pretty much the sum of people added, people lost, that I think is going to have a huge impact on projections. So I'm not like talking about punters or anything like that. Let's talk about some historical things that I found, some trends, etc. right? So they had a 45.1% pressure rate, the defensive line for the Steelers, 45.1% pressure rate. That's really high, led the league last year. They have the first ranked defensive line per PFF going into 2021. So that's already a good bump to their defense. Here's the thing though. They also have the 12th ranked secondary per PFF. So you've got some good things going with this defense. And despite losing some corners and whatever, they're still inside the top half in their secondary. So I'm looking at a defense that's probably still among the best. And now they're going to have a complimentary run game on the other side. Last year, the pass run rate for the Steelers was 64-36. So 64% of the time, they passed the ball. That's really, really high. In 2019, without Big Ben, their pass run was 56-44. So without Big Ben, they dropped from 64% of the time they passed to 56% of the time. They were not comfortable passing the ball with Mason Rudolph, Duck Hodges, and all these other guys that they had rotating in at quarterback. If you look at 2018 with Big Ben, they passed the ball 66% of the time. So the last two years on average with Big Ben in at quarterback, they passed 65% of the time. That is among the highest marks in the league. The last two years that they had with a good levy on Bell, now this is important because they have not had, in my opinion, a running back to the caliber of levy on Bell since he left. And Najee Harris is going to be pretty close to that. So, and that was actually my comp for him, which we'll talk about. But the last two years when they had Le'Veon and he was still 
putting up good numbers. They pass the ball 57% of the time. So that's significantly less than the last couple years with Big Ben at 65. So I do think that now that they have Najee Harris, a very, very talented running back, one that has the body to be able to take on a lot of work, a huge volume number, I do think they're going to start passing a little bit less. I have them at 61%. That's my projection for them this year because a sick defense and Najee Harris helping them get back to a more balanced offense should bring that pass number down from its average 65 the past couple years with Big Ben. Now let's look at the total plays. The last couple years with Ben, they've had 1030. So 1030 plays in the last couple years on average that puts them on pace for 1090 plays for 17 games I'm pretty much keeping it right there Um, that's what I'm working with and if we go off of that and project the 61% passes that's 664 pass attempts and then obviously that leaves 425 runs so I know you guys are all expert mathematicians you probably already did that in your head before I even said it but let's get into Big Ben 664 pass attempts to work off of. He's been pretty consistent with a 66% completion rate last couple years. He's been throwing closer and closer to the line of scrimmage. People, the Big Ben has a bad arm story is not exaggerated. I see some people saying, hey, you know, he was actually very good in terms of how much touchdowns he threw over 20 yards. Okay, that's great. But the ball was not traveling 45, 50 yards in the air. Just because he can throw 30 yards with some accuracy does not mean his arm has not gotten worse. Here's the thing. If you look at his his decrease, steady, steady decrease in yards per completion, it went the last four years from 11.8 four years ago to 9.5 last year. And every single year in between, it steadily decreased. 9.5. Last year, I'm pretty sure is going to be the worst in the NFL. I haven't looked at all the other teams yet. Obviously, we're going one team at a time, but this is by far the worst mark so far. And I've been doing this for a while. You guys already know. I feel I feel like I mention it all the time. Um, 9.5 is so, so low. It's not a number I, I think I've ever seen. So his arm is definitely diminishing. And it's not like they didn't have deep threats. It's not like Claypool cannot function as a deep threat. Yeah, they don't have an Antonio Brown or a Martavis Bryant, but Juju's no slouch. Claypool's no slouch, at least in terms of his size and stuff. You think that they would have given him, given him more deep targets. So I think that kind of just shows you Big Ben, his arm is definitely diminishing. So keep that in mind. However, with some more adjustments and another year of recovery, and by adjustments I mean to his arm, and another year of recovery since his surgery, I do think that trend is going to break. I don't think he's going to continue to decrease and be like 9.3 this year in yards per completion. I think it's going to go up. I'm projecting him at about 10.5 yards per completion, still among the worst in the league, but that's just how I see him now with his arm and the state that he's in. He has also had a pretty consistent touchdown rate, so I'm going to just keep that going at 5.1 just above NFL average. I think a more efficient run game will help offset losses at O-line. A lot of you guys are saying, well, you said they lost Maurice Pouncey. They lost Villanueva. They probably are going to have a worse offensive line. How is it that I'm going to project Big Ben to be better? Well, I think the more efficient run game is going to offset those losses at the offensive line for pass efficiency purposes. Now, pass volume. 
That is something that's key for Big Ben and obviously the rest of the players that we're going to talk about. Pass volume has been very, very high. 664 pass attempts. Granted, there's an extra game this season, but 664 pass attempts is a lot, a lot to go around. And even though Big Ben is going to be very inefficient, he might be okay for fantasy. And, you know, maybe he can be consistent as a QB2. He's definitely not going to be like some high-flying QB1, oh, I got this steal in drafts. Definitely, that's not what I'm saying. But in your super flex leagues or two quarterback leagues, Big Ben will function okay as a QB2 despite having a horrible arm now because he's going to probably still throw the ball a lot. Now, the key in this is how much that's going to help everyone else because if he is throwing a lot, remember, not as much in terms of percentage-wise as he has been the past couple years because... I projected them to decrease in that category. But if he's throwing a lot in general, that's going to be really good for the receivers. And it's actually pretty interesting because I put out a poll. You guys probably saw saw it by now. Bengals trio of wide receivers or the Steelers trio of wide receivers. Who scores more points? I definitely think... Actually, I'm not going to tell you who I think yet. You might already know, but I'm not going to say it because we're talking about those receivers soon. But... Najee Harris, we're going to get into him, get the running back out the way. After taking out minimal rushes from Big Ben, we've got 405 rushes to work with to the running back room and, you know, the little carries that get sprinkled here and there to wide receivers. Le'Veon Bell is who I'm going to use as my template for projecting Najee Harris. Why? Is that excessive? You might think it's excessive. How am I going to compare Najee Harris to Le'Veon Bell? Well, here's the thing. Najee Harris, before the NFL draft, before he was a Steeler, my NFL comparison for him was Le'Veon Bell. If you look at all the things that they're tweeting out, the videos that the Steelers are sending out of Najee Harris in camp, this man is a receiver. He really is. He is a huge receiver that runs people over at running back. He is probably got the best hands or second best hands out of all the running backs in this rookie class. The only person that can rival him in terms of receiving skills would be Kenneth Gainwell. And I'm starting to think that Najee Harris is just outright the best. Remember, that's what Le'Veon Bell, that was his bread and butter was the receiving, the targets, the receptions, especially for fantasy purposes. So that's what I think we're going to start seeing for Najee Harris. I think that's part of the reason why they drafted him was because he has that receiving ability. So with that said, I'm going to be looking at Le'Veon Bell a lot to try and understand how they're going to use Najee Harris, who's a similar player. And like I said, I made that comparison before the NFL draft. So once the Steelers drafted Najee, I just thought it was super, super ironic that out of the 32 teams that could have drafted him, the team that had my comparison for him was the team to do so. Now, let's talk about not only the fact that Le'Veon Bell had a 75% carry rate with Pittsburgh, but that the backup running backs for Le'Veon Bell were not great. So it would be easy for me to say, hey, Le'Veon Bell had 75% of Pittsburgh's carries back in the day. Let's just move that over to Najee Harris. But you also have to look at the entirety of the context. The backups behind Le'Veon Bell were really bad in Pittsburgh. The backups behind Najee Harris right now Anthony McFarland, Benny Snell, I would say they're a little bit better. So I'm not going to just push 75% carry share onto Najee Harris. I'm going to set his carry share at 70% because of that. That would give him 283 carries. So now we got to look up at the efficiency 
How's those 283 carries going to turn into yardage? Well, obviously, we got to find out yards per carry, right? The Steelers average 3.6 and 3.7 yards per carry over the last two years. That is atrocious. And their offensive line, like we've talked about, has not gotten better. If anything, it's gotten worse. With both of those things considered, Najee Harris is significantly better, significantly better than any running backs in that room that they've had last year or the year before or whatnot. He strikes me in a vacuum. If we're just saying in general, how would he strike me? Not worried about the Steelers offensive line. I think he's a 4.5 to 4.8 average kind of guy, but in the situation of this offensive line, I'm going to project him at 4.3. Remember, the average of the running back room was 3.7 and 3.6 last two years. So 4.3, you might think it's generous. You might not think it's high enough because Najee Harris is amazing and you love him and you think he's going to average 4.6, 4.7, 4.8. So 4.3, I think, is a good mix between a conservative projection but also a realistic projection, and it lies in the middle of his floor, I would say. I can't imagine him averaging less than 4, 3.9 at the worst, and I can't average, I can't imagine him averaging more than 4.7, 4.8. So I think 4.3 is a good middling projection. And after all, I mean, it doesn't make that big of a difference whether I project 4.3 or 4.8, because 283 carries, half a yard, in projections is only about 150 yard difference rushing that's not even a point per game so I'm not too worried about the efficiency metric there the real thing I'm worried about is the receiving game that's where Le'Veon's bread and butter was and that's where I think Najee Harris is going to be a stud for fantasy football he's very much like I said like Le'Veon so I expect him to have a slow start because he's a rookie and I don't think he's just going to get you know four targets five targets a game right out the gate but I do think that's going to end up being the case down the road. And I think overall, he's going to have a really good season in the receiving game. Last year, Big Ben threw to running backs 8% of the time. That's not a lot. That's actually among the league lowest. So you might be initially concerned about Najee Harris. But I will tell you this. Le'Veon Bell alone, by himself, not even looking at the other running backs, got a 20% target share in 2016 and 2017, the last two years that he was really good in Pittsburgh. That's more than double the the targets that they threw to the running backs last year. We must consider the state of that offense, though. Do I think Najee Harris is going to be able to get that 20%? Of course not. Why? Because in 2016, Antonio Brown was the only dude there in their receiving room. In 2017, it was Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, who was in his rookie year, and Martavis Bryant, who was not super established. So Le'Veon Bell was one of the biggest threats in the receiving game. That's why he was able to get that 20%. So no way am I going to project that. But I do think that it's going to go way up from 8% from last year because Najee Harris is a receiver. He is that he's that Alvin Kamara type where he is, which is funny because like some people wanted to compare him kind of to Alvin Kamara. I, I like the Le'Veon Bell comparison more. I think that's more how he plays, his style of play. But he is that good of a receiver. He will be one of the top five best receiving running backs in terms of actual skills and efficiency metrics. That's how I predict it to be for you know the next four or five years. So that's what I like about Najee Harris. With that said, what am I actually going to project? 
like I said, 8% last year to the running backs, 20% for Le'Veon. I'm putting Najee at 13%. It seems like a happy medium to me. I'm going off his great receiving skills, just becoming a staple in that offense. And if we look at the averages of running backs that are really good receiving skills and Le'Veon Bell's numbers, we can kind of get the efficiency metrics for Najee Harris. Nothing crazy. I'm projecting an 83% catch rate and 7.9% yards per reception. Those are right around what the good receiving running backs get. So with Big Ben checking down to uh, his tendencies being to check down close to the line of scrimmage, 7.9 slightly lower than average and slightly lower than what Le'Veon was usually outputting. But Big Ben's arm is weaker, right? We've talked about it. And while they have Claypool and stuff, there's no Antonio Brown to take the top off the defense. So everything's going to be closer to the line of scrimmage. That's why I have it a little bit lower there. He probably won't get a lot of receiving touchdowns. Le'Veon Bell never did. So I only have him at two in that category. Now we'll move on to the receivers. So basically, the overall summary of Najee Harris is he's going to get a lot of volume, both in the receiving and running game. So obviously, he's going to be very good. I think he's going to be very good both this year and in the future, probably even better in the future, as long as they get that quarterback situation solved. But Deontay Johnson is going to be who we start with in the receiving game. Deontay Johnson had a 23.5% target share last year. But with his drop problem being one reason, and the development of Chase Claypool being another reason, and now Najee Harris possibly making the running back room well, definitely making the running back room more relevant in the receiving game. I'm not sure Deontay Johnson is going to get that big of a target share. He's got four things or three things working against him. The drop problem, the development of Chase Claypool, and the running back room starting to take more targets. Deontay Johnson was so good last year because Big Ben was checking the ball down to him. That was his check down. Najee Harris is going to be an option in the check down now. And it's going to be way more often than the running backs were last year. So he's probably going to lose some targets in that category. Plus, if Chase Claypool, if his role grows, then maybe Big Ben is going to throw more to Claypool and not to Deontay. That's another thing that could make Deontay target Deontay's targets go down. And overall, I don't see any way, any way that he gets as big of a target share as he had last year. I'm projecting a 21% target share for Deontay Johnson, down from 23.5. His efficiency will be better because I doubt he drops as much, and if he does, his target share will probably be worse because they'll be tired of it. So his efficiency will probably be better. Plus, if Claypool does develop and Najee takes some pressure off of him, he will have more efficiency because of those things. So he has a really good ceiling in PPR, but I don't think it's as good as everyone else seems to think. Then we've got Chase Claypool. So this is going to be pretty interesting because I'm not a huge Claypool guy. However, I do have him projected for some good numbers. Chase Claypool, some people think he's, I'm sure you've heard Mapletron. He's the next Calvin Johnson. Okay, that's ridiculous. And I know people are exaggerating, but he's not even close to that. Some people say, oh, Chase Claypool could be used like Megatron. Chase Claypool is similar in terms of what he's good at to Megatron. Not really. And here's why. And some of you guys will know this from a podcast a long time ago when I was analyzing the rookie wide receivers, how they turned out when the season finished. Chase Claypool had the worst contested catch rate in the entire rookie class. Out of like 15 rookie wide receivers that I took that were drafted last year, Chase Claypool had the worst contested catch rate. He is a huge dude. 
And everyone seems to think that he's just this monster on 50-50 balls. He's not, despite the perception. His contested catch rate was 14%. 14% of the passes that were thrown to him in contested catch situations he caught. That is atrocious. He was also not good in separation. He was bottom five among rookie wide receivers in separation. Now, despite all of these things, I do I will say that I missed on him in my offseason evaluation. I did not even pay any attention to him, really, because when I watched him out of college, I looked at him and I saw a slow guy who got no separation and would be bad because of it. Oh, wait, was that right? Okay, I'm just kidding. It was kind of right, but I was definitely wrong and not successful on my projection because I didn't think Chase Claypool would be as relevant as he is, and he is definitely relevant. So with that said, I'm going to get into the actual projecting portion of him but just remember he's not as much of a beast as everyone thinks I mean worst contested catch rate bottom five separation come on now he's obviously going to be able to improve on those hopefully I trust the Steelers to be able to develop wide receivers they might be the best team in the NFL developing wide receivers maybe Tampa would be next because they seem to always have a good wide receiver room even with really late picks they always develop the receivers well but I would say Pittsburgh is the best spot for developing wide receivers. Now let's talk about his target share. Chase Claypool last year target share was 16.6%. If you go from week seven on, once he started getting more and more involved, he had an 18.5% target share. I think that's probably going to get to about 20%. I think they're going to try and in, increase his work. And this is another thing that could possibly, possibly take away from Deontay Johnson. I think the biggest thing taking away from Deontay Johnson is going to be Najee Harris personally because Chase Claypool is not really running the same area of the field. But I have Chase Claypool at about 20% target share, just under that 19.5. So with the volume increase, and hopefully getting better at contested balls, he should be the touchdown guy in this offense, and it should give him a huge ceiling in standard leagues. But the one thing to consider is, if defenses start looking at Claypool as the number one threat, and they're not looking at Juju that way or Deontay Johnson that way, it's possible somebody else leads that touchdown room in wide receivers. And who do I think that could be? It would be Juju Smith-Schuster. And it's funny because Juju Smith-Schuster is probably the safest wide receiver pick out of this trio with the lowest ceiling. So actually, it's pretty close. It depends on format. If you're not talking about full PPR, I think his ceiling is probably a little bit better than Deontay Johnson's because I don't see any way Deontay gets a high touchdown count. That's definitely a possibility for Juju, but in full PPR, Juju probably has the lowest ceiling. But if you need a stable flex guy, this is him. Juju will be a stable flex for you all year. Last year, his target share was 19.5%. It's probably going to be pretty similar, and it's great because his ADP is the lowest of this trio, and he's my highest projected wide receiver in this offense right now. Just like Tyler Boyd having the lowest ADP in Cincy and him being the one I project for the most points. These slot receivers are slept on all the time. And Juju, Boyd, they're both going to be very good values. But getting back to Juju specifically, I'm going to be taking him over Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson every time because of the value. He's got potential to lead in touchdowns if Chase Claypool sees more attention. Big Ben loves Juju in that department, and I love him, love him for Dynasty. He's only 24 years old. He's probably going to be somewhere new next year, because if Big Ben is gone, 
he's probably not going to want to stick around for whatever quarterback situation they've got going on because they're going to have a good team this year. They're not going to be in position to draft some stud. So unless they trade for an Aaron Rodgers, which just imagine that for a second, Aaron Rodgers in the Pittsburgh offense, that would be insane. But that's that's a dream that's never going to happen, right? But if they don't bring in some super highly touted quarterback, Juju's 99% chance leaving. And if he's only 24 years old, he's going to get a huge contract and someone's going to pay him to be their wide receiver one or at worst wide receiver two. And he's going to continue to be somebody who gets a lot of targets in offenses and is very good for fantasy because of it. So I love Juju Smith-Schuster. He's somebody that I'm trying to target in Dynasty right now because everyone looks at him as the third receiver on the totem pole in Pittsburgh. Well, if they really believe that, he's going to be an easy target because they're not going to think he's going to help them much this year, which I think is false. And they're probably not thinking ahead fully to how much targets he could have down the line if he signs with a new team, which is most likely. So with that said, we can get into the actual projections. Where do I have everyone? Let's start with Big Ben. I have him at 664 pass attempts. 438 completions, 4,602 yards, and 34 touchdowns for just 50 yards on the ground. Deontay Johnson I have leading in targets, but not nearly as much as last year. Remember, I think he's going to lose some, mainly because of Najee Harris. I have him at 139 targets. Juju Smith-Schuster at 133 targets. Chase Claypool at 129 targets. Now, Chase Claypool is going to have the most points per target or per reception, I should say, because he's not going to be a super efficient guy like Juju and Deontay in terms of catch rate. He's down the field a lot more. He's not great at contested catches. Hopefully he gets better. But his ability to score touchdowns and gain a lot more yards per reception will help make up for that. So just keep that in mind. 129 targets is not shabby at all for Chase Claypool, the way and type of receiver he is and the way he plays. So Deontay Johnson, remember, 139. I have him at 88 receptions. Juju Smith-Schuster off his 133 targets. I have him at 93 receptions. And Chase Claypool at 76 receptions. I have for yardage, Deontay Johnson, 966. Juju, 1,106 yards. And Chase Claypool, 1,131 yards. For touchdowns, Deontay Johnson, 6. Juju Smith-Schuster, 8. And Chase Claypool, 10. That leaves... Actually, we didn't talk about Najee Harris yet. So let's talk about Najee Harris in the receiving game before I go over his rushing. I have him at 86 targets, 72 receptions, 566 yards. That's amazing for PPR. I'm projecting him as pretty much a top six receiver for running backs in terms of how many receptions he pulls in at 72. That's probably a really high number in your mind, but I really can see it happening. I don't think he's going to get less than 50. I think 50 is a very safe, safe floor. And when you see how high Najee Harris is for me, if you want to take off those receptions, he's still going to be probably a top 10 running back for you, even if you knock down my projection. But I have two touchdowns projected for Najee Harris along with that yardage. That leaves about 176 targets, 110 receptions, and 800 yards, eight touchdowns for everyone else, mainly Eric Ebron, Pat Fryermuth, and James Washington. But I feel really comfortable with this projection. I like the way it worked out. There's a lot of targets left in the other category for those other guys that are definitely going to be involved. Yet, these receivers are still going to have impacts, all three of them, for your fantasy teams, as well as Najee Harris getting a lot of receiving work. On the ground, I have Najee Harris at 283 carries, 1,217 rushing yards, and 10 touchdowns. So overall, 
in 17 games. I have Najee Harris at 12 touchdowns and doing quick math, 1,800 yards almost. So just over 100 yards a game. What does that put them at for fantasy? That puts Big Ben at 19.1 points per game. Like I said, QB2. Najee Harris, 19 points per game. That's right above Antonio Gibson. Right now, he's my RB2 behind Dalvin Cook. Juju Smith-Schuster comes out as the highest for me in points per game. At Oh, I actually had him at 15.2, but I did knock down one touchdown off of him right before I started the podcast because I think I had it a little too much for these Steelers wide receivers. So I'm going to go ahead and make sure I get that right number for you guys. I forgot to update that. Juju Smith-Schuster... I have him at 14.8. So he dropped, I knocked one touchdown off and he dropped 0.3 points per game. Not a big deal, right? 14.8 points per game for Juju Smith-Schuster. That's right under T. Higgins, right above Jamar Chase. Chase Claypool, I have at 14.7 points per game. So just under Juju. And then Deontay Johnson, I have at 13 points per game. So I think Deontay Johnson is going to get outscored by every single Bengals wide receiver. Hot take, possibly, most likely. Everyone will feel that way because he's the favorite receiver, it seems like, to most people in Pittsburgh. So I'll probably be having some fun with that tweet on Twitter soon. But with that said, hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to leave a rating, a review if you have not already. Helps me immensely. Have a good one, guys. Peace.